0: Welcome to the Life's Valleys and Mountaintops podcast. I am your host, Gina Johnson, a certified life coach. You will find stories here from people around the world sharing some of their most difficult journeys through illnesses, accidents, and trauma. Join me on my mission to create a community where people overcoming belong. We inspire and help one another to rise above our difficulties until we make it to our mountaintop. Let's meet our guest today. Today, we're talking about getting past the hold that childhood trauma has on our lives. I'm talking with Kat McLeod. She is the creator of the Stay at Home Mom Entrepreneur, where she helps moms create a highly profitable business that they love working only two hours per day. From the mucky mud of life to a six-figure entrepreneur, she has helped many leave behind drugs, eating disorders, and the sex trade industry. We cover the mindset to overcome the hold of trauma and abuse self-sabotage, and what to do about it, how to find the best person to help you through trauma and what to do about negativity when it tries to take over your thoughts and your life without any further ado, please welcome Cat to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for so so much for having me, Gina. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we're so happy that you are here. And I would just love if after this intro, I've shared a little bit about your life today, but can you just tell people a little bit more about what your life is like now so they can get to know you?
1: I have been living a dream life for almost an entire decade and this is a huge 180 from where i started out where i feared for my life i grew up in an extremely abusive home i was beaten on a regular basis with a bamboo stick and feared i thought i was going to be murdered when i was growing up and for the last nine plus years, I have been living a solid dream life. I'm truly blessed in my life now. And along the way, there was a lot of muck and failure. And at the end, it's been fabulous. I mean, I'm not done
0: yet, so let me not say at the end. At this,
1: <laughs> at this point in life, it's been fabulous.
0: Well, I like your honesty about how it's not always fabulous. And we're going to get into that because we're going to share your journey. Take us to the moment of time that you would consider to be the worst moment of your journey. Tell us the story and we will share what you learned and walked through.
1: The worst moments in my life were when I was a little girl and being beaten on a regular basis and fearing for my life. I didn't know what mood my dad would be in. Sometimes he'd be in a great mood and want to take us like shopping at the mall or to an amusement park. And other times he would just go into a complete rage and Like one time he hit me in the back with a metal rod so hard, I thought I was going to be paralyzed because he didn't like the way I organized my stuffed animal cabinet, crazy things like that, or terrorizing us for an hour or two because a 10 cent magnet was not on the refrigerator and we didn't know where it was like just psychopath behavior like that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there was no, no way as a child to even, I mean, as an adult to understand how that's even possible. I certainly would never treat my child that way no no I'm so sorry that you've had to start out life in that way and can we walk through you through with you as to how growing up like that in your childhood followed you through your life
1: I suffered from depression I was quite screwed up in my late teens and early 20s I was dating a 30 year old man as a teenager I mean as a high schooler Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of depression, I had eating disorders, severe eating disorders, anxiety. I would, I was trying to be perfect, and I thought if I were perfect enough, and even into my 20s, if I thought if I was perfect enough, then I would be lovable. A lot of self-trust issues, a, a lot of trust issues, period.
0: Yeah, I would imagine if you lived your life trying to please your father to stay out of trouble, that it would be really hard to put that down when you no longer needed to be like that anymore.
1: Yes, it also created an extremely rebellious streak in me where it was like, F you, you're not gonna tell me what to do. (laughs) On the the flip side of trying
0: to be perfect and being like a good little girl, there was also that other side of me. Oh, we share that in common. I can all too well know what you're talking about there. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it made me, I would call, I would say that that was a good beginning for my
1: entrepreneurial journey because I feel like it made me unemployable. I do not like to be told what to do, controlled, micromanaged, any of the above.
0: Interesting. So in some ways, the entrepreneurship life that you live today started, it had its roots back then.
1: I believe so. I had entrepreneurial tendencies as a young girl selling blow pop lollipops I bought in the grocery store for 10 cents and selling them to you know for a quarter to my classmates. However, I do believe that there's just a strong part of me that does not like to follow other people's rules. I like to be my own boss. Mm.
0: Well, before we get to today of being your own boss, which is really exciting, what happened next? Did you finish high school?
1: I finished high school, I actually went to university when I was in university. So luckily for me, I was bright during this time and I did do well at school. In university, I ran up some credit card debt and I started stripping to pay off this credit card debt. It, felt empowering I had financial freedom and it allowed me to graduate college and two weeks later pack up my bags and move out to Los Angeles and I was not scared of how I was going to meet make ends meet because I knew that I could strip if I wanted to when I moved out here I found out that the clubs out here are a little different they have more lap dancing and more contact than what I was used to in the Midwest. And I wasn't comfortable with that because of my dad's situation. So I actually answered an ad to become a dominatrix. And the the reason I answered it is it said, you know, no sex, no massage. And I was like, what is this? It was intriguing. I was 21 turning 22 at the time and it felt fun and new and it really was. When I first started it, I felt powerful. It turned the tide on the power dynamic with men It Mm -hmm. felt fun
0: at the beginning of that journey. Now, did you have your degree in psychology when you started in this new job? Yes, I did. That is a very interesting combination. (laughs) Well, I had a lot of healing to do. I've done a boatload of therapy throughout
1: the years. I now have my graduate degree in psychology, but that'll be later on in my journey but yes, I had a degree in psychology, always attracted to psychology, I went to therapy in college. I believe it was subsidized by the college at the time, and I find it tremendously helpful.
0: Wow. So so take us a little deeper. What was it like having a degree in psychology and then being in a dominatrix position? In-
1: in the dominatrix world i don't feel like i really used my degree that much or, or i was just 22 and having going wild and rebelling i don't know but i used it later on in my fetish business so i do think it came much int- more into play or i utilized the skills more in my fe- my my next rendition of the business cuz i only did Domination for about six to nine months before I burned out. It might have been about nine months. And then I decided to only do what I most enjoyed slash tolerated. I thought I was going to have to get a normal job because this was only about, I would guess, 5% of my dominatrix practice. And instead, my business completely blew up. And I found out at 22 that the niches really are in the riches because when I specialized in this one, field, then it allowed me clients that did not want anything to do with BDSM, nothing to do with domination, just had a specific fetish. And so I got a completely different clientele and it still serves me to this day because I'm not afraid to niche down really tight where people question, why are you niching so tight? You're going to eliminate. I'm not afraid of that because I did it at 22. I've been doing it for 20 years. So I know not to be scared of that.
0: If you have someone listening right now that's not in the podcast slash business world, how would you explain what niching down is to them? It means finding your right
1: business idea and finding the subset of that idea so you target a very specific audience. So when you take the whole world of, we'll say BDSM, not that your whole audience knows what encompasses there, and you're just taking one part of all the things it could be. So there's a lot of elements. I don't know how many, but we'll just say that there's a hundred elements of BDSM. And then I specialized in one or two of them. So that's what it means to really niche down and not be scared of eliminating the 98 you don't do and only focusing on the one one or two that you truly can master and do
0: okay thanks for that before we get to the turnaround point in your story can you share just a little bit more like what was it like for you while you were in this world and going through the therapy before you got to where you would say it started to get better
1: I did therapy twice a week for years. I would say I had low-grade depression. I mean, it was clinical depression, but low-grade depression for many, many, many years. I read a lot of self-help books. During this time period, after the first six to nine months, I hated my fetish business. I was making really great money in my early twenties, but I hated what I was doing. I did not feel purposeful. I did not feel meaningful. I felt like I had to keep it a total secret. I had a cover story. I felt like, like my whole world was like a cover story on the outside, looking perfect on the inside, feeling turmoil. It, it was definitely my, I would say my early to mid twenties were really rough.
0: And at that point, did you have any relationship with your family or were you completely on your own? I have
1: a, at that point, I would have a medium relationship with my mom
0: and pretty much zero relationship with my dad. Okay. All right. So we're going to walk with you through this. I think this is uh, important that you've dwelled here a little bit for someone who might still be in that place, that it's not an instant thing that you just will decide to go to therapy tomorrow and be cured and you've had that resilience and that patience with the process to get to where you are today is that right
1: yes it took a decade i mean really a decade of intending to move forward and it was really messy so if you're there it's okay it takes time to do something different as you move towards your dream life it's going to feel extremely uncomfortable because you're stepping into something unknown even though you want it it's like your mind is programming you to stay where you're at to try to keep you in what you already know and -hmm. it's really messy i had a lot of failure at the time like i quit my fetish business i closed it down and kept reopening it because i was lured back by the money, didn't know what I could do to recreate that success I felt really trapped in there. And with all the therapy, sometimes I felt really down because it felt like I was not moving anywhere. So I tried different modalities. I got into yoga. I tried some hypnotherapy. I just kept adding in and over time in the slow, I would say almost feeling like a snail's pace progression, I released my eating disorder. Then later on, I released my depression. I truly haven't felt that kind of clinical depression in well over a decade. It doesn't mean that I haven't had times of sadness and very grief times. It means that that low grade clinical depression that makes everything feel like you're trudging that I haven't felt in a, I, I would say almost,
0: I would say 15 years. And that is incredible. Normally I would ask you to take us to a moment that you considered your turnaround point but I'm sensing that there was no one thing. It was a progression of many things that took you to where you are now. Is that fair to say? I think that's completely truthful. I'll
1: bring up where things kind of changed. So there was, like I just said, it was slow snail pace change. However, the depression was finally released one day in a hypnotherapy session. But remember, I was doing regular therapy at the time when I Finally viewed my depression as some kind of friend trying to keep me safe. I envisioned it as a a gray cloud and I put it on a train and I waved goodbye to it because I no longer needed it. Now, this this might find airy fairy to you all. And maybe this doesn't resonate with you, but this was the final straw for me. And I never felt that kind of depression again with my eating disorder. It was more sudden. I could not take it anymore. I, I just, I thought I was killing myself. I had, I found myself on my bathroom floor thinking that I might die. (laughs) And I would like to say that that was the turning point that actually wasn't, that was just the turning point of me going, I need to majorly do something about this and buying every single book at either the Barnes and Nobles or borders. I can't remember at the time. And reading those books and getting myself into a 12 step program that, I did not resonate with, but that's, I was just ready to tackle it. And I made that one. I made a firm decision because I had had that eating disorder for a dozen years, some form of that eating disorder. And I could not take it anymore. I decided that i rather gain 200 pounds than continue to do this to myself. And I healed it and it wasn't easy and it was scary. And on the other side, I... I'm so grateful that I no longer suffer from that. Sometimes I backslide a little with that, even so many years later. So we're talking 16 years ago. And once in a while, I have some backsliding or some shadow things telling me, oh, you need to do this or you didn't do enough exercise. So it's it's not like a success only journey. I still have to go, okay, I hear you, you know, be quiet and move forward. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's an important point to share. It's a a lifelong pursuit, isn't it?
1: It is. I still, like I shared with you that with the feelings of self-trust, I still have that to this day, 20 years later of really working on myself, even though I've been living a really wonderful, solid life for over nine years, I still have trust issues that pop up that affect my life that spill out into my life that I have to consciously work on.
0: What is it like for you to have been away from this for so long and then to take the time to go back and share your story for others? Is it still hard to open up and to go back there? It isn't anymore. When I first decided to do so, it felt
1: so awful and vulnerable. I thought it was important. I didn't expect to share this part of my story. I definitely didn't expect to ever share the part that I was you know, in the adult industry. That felt really terrifying to share. And my bigger legacy is to help anyone that is in that situation that maybe is a drug user or used drugs in the sex industry or was in the sex industry, abused any of those things and wants to move forward but feels really stuck to let them know that there is a way. And know it's not easy and it's messy and it's mucky and there's lots of failures and yet you can get there and it's completely worth it.
0: I have this vision in my head of something I read when I was looking at your website uh, or social media and you'd said that you were watching a hummingbird drink nectar from a lemon tree from your shower. Is that right?
1: That's correct. And that is my life. I would say that that happens on a regular basis, like weekly, where a humming, I will be taking a shower in my gorgeous shower that you saw. And I will look out the window and a hummingbird will be drinking nectar. And I just feel about like how far I've come, and which will make me tear up since you're tearing up. <laughs> it, I really have. It, it feels like that person that was so abused and lost. That feels like so many lifetimes ago. And I have a lot of compassion for her.
0: Compassion is very healing. And I brought up this vision because I wanted to ask you back when you started your healing journey, could you even imagine a life like you have now? Could you have envisioned that lemon tree per se?
1: No. When I was starting this... Vision I, this is the truth. When I was in my early 20s, I wanted to marry an older man who was wealthy so that he could take care of me and rescue me. That was what I wanted when I was, well, that's what I thought I wanted in my early 20s. Now, that did not happen. I actually had 10 times more money than my husband when we got married, and my husband's nine years younger, and we've been married for almost a decade. Now, we're my husband is a super high earner now and our life is very prosperous. That wasn't, I mean, he was a high earner when we got married, but the point is no one rescued me. I Mm -hmm. did it myself.
0: That's, that's what, that's my point on, on sharing this. Love that. We're going to take a closer look at your journey now. What about you changed the most from this experience you've been through?
1: Now that I'm sitting on the other side of all that muck and turmoil, we'll just call it my 20s, because <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah, I just I feel really grateful. I still get lost here and there, but when I spin out about little things, I just remember how I feel freaking fortunate. I feel so grateful. First of all, wealth aside, I have an amazing husband. I actually never expected to have this. I still feel like I quote unquote lucked into this. (laughs) I had tumultuous relationships before my husband. And I told you in my early twenties, I I wanted to marry almost like a sugar daddy to take care of me. And I didn't expect to have like such an amazing marriage given my parents' marriage and my former tumultuous relationships. And I just have such a rock solid marriage and we're raising my son with love and no, I'm not perfect. And sometimes I have pieces of my dad, no abuse. I would never touch my son, but you know, like little snappy things, just parts of my personality that I, that I picked up that I don't like come out with my son. But overall, I'm a solid mom. Like we have a great family. I, I'm so grateful for that above anything else and our health, of course. But that's, I, I mean, that's that's a given for feeling great about your family life. Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, I'm grateful for all of that. So, when I spin out about little things, and I still do, I still am guilty about spinning out over something really stupid that six months from now, I'm not going to even know what you're talking about. And then I remember, like, I'm just so fortunate. And I also remember that I made this happen, and it wasn't easy. It was really hard at a lot of times and I didn't think it was possible there were definitely times in my 20s I was really depressed and I'm just grateful that I kept plowing forward and and wanting more for myself so if you're listening and you want more for yourself and you're feeling, but you can't have it, Kat could, but you can't have it. Just keep listening to that voice that wants more and then adding in the little steps. It could be five minutes a day right now. It doesn't have to be tremendous. It will eventually get you there.
0: Kat, I coach people once in a while in our community and they confess that no matter how much work they've done, they still lose their temper and yell at their kids and feel so bad after. And it just sounds like you might be able to relate just a little bit to that. Definitely. I, I, I really try to stay more calm. I'm an
1: impatient person by nature and I try to stay calm. And then when I do lose my temper, it really hurts. Like even talking to you about it, like I feel emotional talking about it because it makes me feel like I'm like my dad and I know I'm not. Mm -hmm. And it brings up parts of my I I don't like that part of myself. I'm actually doing some healing work around that because I really love staying more centered. I mean, all of us moms do. I get it, and I know it's normal. A lot of moms lose their temper, and we're still great moms. And it just triggers, you know, that dad stuff for me.
0: Yeah. Thank Thanks you for-, for saying that. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being so open and honest because I want to really encourage those moms that say they feel so bad just to know your proof that if you just keep working at it you can find self-compassion you can talk through with your kids you can you can still get through it Oh, yeah, I
1: talk it through when I do lose my temper, when things are calm, I talk to my son about it. And he, I feel proud that he can say to me, like, Oh, mommy, when you do that, I didn't feel like you love me. And then I say, I would never want you to feel that way. I'm so sorry. You know, I wish I would have taken more time off. I wish you know, that I would have handled it in a better way. And then we hug. And then, you know, I feel like, I apologize is the main thing. I'm definitely not perfect. I screw up and then we talk it out when things are calm.
0: Oh, I have goosebumps now. <laughs> Beautiful moment. Can you share with us one of your personal habits that contributed to overcoming this?
1: Overcoming my 20s, we'll say. the overco- <laughs> Overcoming which, which element?
0: That's a good point. I mean, in your case, it could be overcoming your 20s or overcoming limiting beliefs or overcoming the holdback that the abuse from your childhood had on your life as an adult.
1: Well, wow, there's just so much. <laughs> okay. I'll start with one of the things that I currently do in my current practice. I start the morning positive journaling and no, I am not a lifelong journaler carrying journals all the time. No, I, <laughs> that's definitely not me. I just decided that I had been starting the morning, like looking at email and social media all of a sudden, and that wasn't the way I wanted to start the morning. So instead I have my journal there and I positive journal about how I want life to unfold. So I'm not done. I'm living a dream life and I'm not done. So I write about my next phase, like what I'm inviting in. And I write it as if it's already happened. So I'm so happy and grateful for, and that puts me in a much better space before I even take a foot out of bed. I enjoy doing that. And again, that's not the only, you don't have to do that practice. When I was In my fetish business keeping it a secret feeling depressed i added in yoga it worked for me i don't have a quiet mind so sitting in meditation didn't work for me doing vigorous yoga actually worked for me it was i did a vigorous form of ashtanga or ashtanga is vigorous vigorous form of yoga and that wore out my body enough that my mind could rest a little. And to this day, I still practice yoga once a week. So I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. That helps calm my busier mind. And I already shared how I overcame that eating disorder. It just really was, I couldn't do it anymore. I I felt like I was killing myself. And with transitioning out of the fetish industry and finally quitting and not opening the doors again. I, it was just the same thing that one I had enough, I had quit the business numerous times. And that one time I just, I was, think I was 27 at the time. I just could not do it anymore. That was not going to be the rest of my life.
0: Wow. We're coming in to the end. Can you share with us a resource like a podcast or a book? It sounds like you might have a few that helped you along the way.
1: This one is, didn't help me along the way. I'm I like for people with money issues or money mindset. I like Tony Robbins money master the game because he talks about simple steps, for people to have financial freedom. And he talks about it in a way that you can understand it for podcast. I actually enjoy listening to Gary Vee. He's controversial. People hate him. (laughs) I really dig him. I, I get his stuff. I let my son listen to Gary Vee, even though he swears a lot. So just be forewarned and my son is six and I feel like his content is so good. My son can just ignore the, the F bomb here and there because I like the way he thinks well not I don't not a hundred percent of it there's just some stuff where I'm like uh f you Gary V what are you talking about so (laughs) but the the core content of thinking on your own and things like that I do like in him and so that's a book and then I I read a lot of books and some of them are just not relevant like I'm reading a a venture capital book right now (laughs) Oh, oh, one that is relevant is the Big Leap by Guy Hendrix. As you move forward in your life and you're creating more good in your life, it can actually feel scary. And I know some of you stuck are like, "What is this lady talking about? What do you mean it's scary when good stuff starts happening in my life?" It actually can feel scary. It can feel like, "Oh my gosh, how is this going to end?" And you can self sabotage this. I've seen it myself. I feel it myself sometimes. I, I mean, we all do this. I, my life has been so good. I get moments of panic of, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like, Oh my, like, how could it be this good? Like in this book, the big leap helps you move through that upper limits threshold where that fear comes up. So you don't sabotage your life.
0: That is a real value bomb for everyone listening right now, because I have a lot of experience with self-sabotage and it's a good point that you're bringing up.
1: Yeah. I mean, self-sabotage, we obviously you don't mean to do it and we don't mean to do it. It's just that it's that lizard brain of ours that wants to keep us stuck because in stuck, we have survived and that on the other side, it's unknown. And then when we get there and it feels good, it's like, right, the proverbial shoe's going to drop. Oh my gosh, this horrible. I still have that to this day. I still imagine like worst case scenarios and have to pull my mind back into now or something awful that happened to me years ago i will it will i will be thinking about great things and that will pop in my mind and i will like ruminate on it it's mm-hmm. I, I see it's still popping up
0: yes that is a powerful thing that it doesn't just go away because you want it to but now <laughs> you have the tools to help get you out of that spot and move more forward focused right i move forward quicker it's, yeah. I can still
1: ruminate on it and I, I move forward quicker or at this point I seek help. So if it's really weighing on me, then I'll work with a friend of mine who does mindset stuff or healing stuff, or I'll just talk it out. Sometimes I can journal it out myself. So the a great thing is just to find what works for you and to keep working it.
0: Now, before we get to the very last question, I just wanted to ask if you might be able to help people just understand a little bit of the different modalities when you're still kind of in the trauma mucky phase what would be in your eyes the difference between say a therapist or a counselor a coach or a mentor or a friend
1: With therapy, which I completely respect and I'm trained in, I feel like therapy really delves into the past depending on who you are with. And I feel like it's way slower moving. This is my honest opinion about it. And obviously that's why you're asking me. Mm -hmm. I personally like coaching better because I feel like it's more, more goal oriented and moving forward. And this works for me because I'm type A. So it depends on your personality. I feel like with there are great therapists out there, and I've had great therapists, and with those modalities I move forward. And I've also had therapists I really like them as people, but I could have been with them like a decade later, still talking about the same things. So it, I mean, it, it's the right fit. Obviously, it depends mm-hmm. on what you want. Now, a mentor that. Depending on the mentor, because if you're not having an exchange with them, like where you pay for a coach or a therapist, that can be mucky. I mean, I just don't know. If you have a great mentor, that can make sense. It's it's subjective for the person's needs. For me, I did a lot of therapy. I didn't even know about life coaching back then. It depends on the person. I, as I said, I had a great therapist, and maybe I would have made faster progress with the right loving life coach I don't know just get help (laughs) get help and if it's working stay with it
0: just start just talk to someone and if it works keep going and don't give
1: it like one chance or two chances like that's going to be a lot of resistance coming up like you got to feel it out but also at the same time listen to your gut i did a session one time with a therapist it wasn't the right fit my gut told me it wasn't and i truly don't feel like if i would have worked with her that i would have gotten anything out of it because she wasn't hearing she didn't hear what i needed and that she pushed her own stuff in that was way extreme for what i was coming to her for so it's definitely somebody that can support you and listen to you and then really get you and move you forward without their own agenda
0: Mm, very good advice as we walk into the grand finale we all walk through valleys and over mountaintops in our life and the next time that you're faced with a challenge what will be most essential to have with you self-trust
1: I know when I grounded my self-trust that I can trust myself to figure out what to do next and to execute on that and not second guess myself. A trick that I use to not do that is to say, did I do my best? And if the answer is yes, then screw the results. I did my best.
0: That's good. That's so good. Kat, what is good in your life right now? We want to know what you're working on in business, what you're putting out in the world and where people can find you.
1: What's good in my life right now is I'm enjoying an ocean view on this podcast with you. I have my lovely family. I am in the middle of a group program helping people nail their right business idea and helping moms start their businesses that allow them to be moms first and find fulfillment and enjoyment. And I am currently working on a self-study course for my people who feel stuck in the muck. Maybe we're in the sex industry, we're had abusive relationships, we're ex drug users, wherever they are to really ground into their right business idea
0: and make a different life for themselves, like I have. And where's the best place that they can connect with you? S A H M Entrepreneur dot com, stay at home mom, entrepreneur dot com. So S A H M dot com. Awesome. It'll be linked in at the show notes as well, synergymindsetcoaching.com. They can just type in "cat" K-A-T, in the search bar and everything will come up. Thank you so much for giving us your time today and really sharing from your heart. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Welcome back. Something that came to mind is that diamonds take a long time to form. I know it's a little cliche, you've probably heard it before, but under a lot of pressure over a lot of time, a beautiful diamond is formed from a rock, and I think of that as our healing journey. Perhaps it's never 100% complete, it may be something that we always work on, but it is worth it. You are worth it, and in the end, you will be a sparkling diamond, ready to take on whatever it is that you are called to do here in the world. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast today, please subscribe so that you will get new interviews. And if you could be so kind to leave a review on whatever platform that you listen, it will help more people hear this podcast and hopefully help more people change their lives. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you and we'll be back next week with another inspiring story.